0: It's lovely to have this opportunity to share something from my heart again with you all. And all I'm going to do this morning is unpack one of my favorite Bible stories. Um, It'll come up on the screen. Um, It's the setting is a meal table. And there are three main characters, Simon the Pharisee, a woman with a messy background and a jar of perfumed oil, And then Jesus at the start of his ministry. And before we read the scripture, I just want to introduce some of these characters a little bit more to you. And I'm going to use the photos of actors. um, Because I'm using this word story, but I want you to remember that this is all about real people. This Bible that we read is about real people. And so... As you see the pictures, think real people. Now, I would have taken their photos, but mobile phones didn't have cameras back then. So, you know, we couldn't. um, So that's why we've got actors' photos. Um, The first group of people are the Pharisees. And these were men who had taken a pledge to obey the law of Moses and not just the law of Moses but every detail of the scribal law that went alongside it. There were several thousand of them in Jesus' time and they lived by that detail so they were men who were dedicated to live a holy life. But unfortunately, it made them rather legalistic as well in their faith. The next one was a woman, and we don't know her name, but we know she'd been a sinful woman, the story tells us so. But in this story, she appears with this beautiful jar of perfumed oil. And the third character here is Jesus. This is the young Jesus beginning, as I said, his ministry. He is about 30-something. He's a teacher of Jewish scripture. He's teaching on God's character. He's starting to make a name for himself. And so we're going to turn to Luke 7, 36 to 50. And we're just going to... This is like a Bible study this morning. I'm just going to read Scripture and unpack Scripture because for me, Scripture lives. And I want it to live for you too. Um, So we'll have those words up if we may. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him... He went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Now, I'll just stop there. They didn't have chairs and tables like we did. We do. They had a low table and then benches alongside of it. So that's why he could recline on a bench by the table. And a woman in that town who'd lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair and kissed them and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man was a prophet, he'd know who's touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she's a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I've something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Don't worry about the currency there. Just think $500, $50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now, which one of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You've judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven The other guests began to say among themselves who is this who even forgives sins Jesus said to the woman your faith has saved you go in peace wow, beautiful. beautiful story beautiful story but I'm going to unpack this just section by section verse by verse so it all starts off sounding quite fine doesn't it Jesus is invited to Simon's house So he goes there, and it says he reclined at the table. But we learn later on that something is missing, because this is what should have happened. He should have walked through the front door, and there would have been a low stool there, taken off his shoes, and a servant would have come and would have washed all the dirt and dust off his feet because he'd been walking through those dusty um, streets. And I hope you can see me on the screen fine there and you at home. And then his hands would have been washed and there would have been uh, some sort of greeting, a kiss. And what happens is they just kiss him. The older men would kiss the younger men on the top of their head or, or place a hand there and bless them. And then Jesus would have been invited to the platform, and he'd have sat down there like this, just relaxing, with his feet here. I mean, feet shoes off. I'm just not doing that. You don't need me to do that. And uh, and there would he would have been comfortable and ready to eat. But all that was missing. So Jesus just walked straight to the table, sat himself down. They had not. Given him any courtesy. Why was he invited to that house? Well, the Pharisees had wanted to speak to him, because I said they liked to follow the law, and they wanted this young preacher who was a bit on the wild side. We know Jesus was a bit on the wild side, right? Uh, They wanted this young preacher to to come into line with what they believed about God. And so they had invited him for a meal, quiet conversation. But they also wanted to teach him a lesson, which is why no sitting down at the stool, no kiss of greeting. That was their disapproval of him. Now we have that woman and we're not told how she got into the house. Um, so there is a backstory there. Why is she there, first of all? And how did she get there, second of all? Well, this is what people think, what I think had happened in her backstory. She had heard Jesus' teaching about the forgiveness of sins and had been deeply, deeply moved. We know that Jesus sat with sinners and tax collectors, ladies of the night. And this dear woman had heard Jesus and repented of her sin. She was born again. And that's why she had the perfume jar in her hand. Because she was a a born again lady. She felt clean and new. And she was looking for this way to say thank you to Jesus. Do you remember that day Brothers and sisters, you know, when you gave your heart to Jesus and you just wanted a way to say thank you to him, this is why she was there with that perfume jar. And she'd heard in the street that Jesus was going to be invited to Simon's house. So she got the perfume, she bought the jar, she got herself into the room already to then at some point, Maybe when he first sat down on the stool, she was going to pour oil on his head, oil on his hands, and just say thank you to Jesus. So then, how did she get into the house? I mean, you know, she's this sinful lady. We don't know what her sin is. Um, Something was going on in her backstory. I do like the way the Bible leaves out some of those details. (laughs) Isn't it good for us (laughs) in this world that we don't have to go around giving all of those details and and the dear Bible spares our blushes at times. But in those days, the rich people like to, you can have that slide up now, the rich people like to invite the poor people into their house so they could watch them eat and so the poor people would have to be in a corner, you know, sitting on the floor. And, and maybe at the end of it, they'd get some food. And Jeff and I have seen this happen in the place where we work. You know, it just, oh, I'm such a great person. I give to the poor. I feed them. You know, it's that type of attitude. And so this woman would have been able to get in the house with, with this crowd of poorer people, and she'd be sitting in the corner waiting for Jesus to arrive. And waiting for Jesus to arrive. Why did she buy the oil? I just said she wanted to thank him, but what else was going on there? Well, this is an important part of the backstory, Because in the rabbinical law, in the law that was taught at that time, some, some sins were less forgivable than other sins. And I'm so glad that isn't the case now. But in those days it was. And so when you were forgiven, you could receive God's forgiveness... But when you were forgiven, you had to make some sort of restitution, some sort of payback. Do you remember Zacchaeus? He was a tax collector, and he came to the Lord. And when he did, what was the first thing he did? He gave loads of his money. You know, he said, oh, take, take everything back I've stolen and taken, and here's some more. Now, Jesus didn't ask him to do that but in the culture of that time, he wanted just to pay back and say, say, "I'm so grateful to God for my salvation." It's why? It's, that's something when we repent, you know, that we want to thank God. It's not demanded of us, but it's a thank you to God. But in those days, it was a requirement, not a thank you. And so, what was I? What am I going to say? I want to describe it like this: instead of the the requirement, we have this born again experience, and we can equate it to that child. What happens when a child's born? What's its job? To grow strong, to be healthy, to love its mum and dad. Nothing much else is expected of it, is uh, is it? Born again experience, what does God ask for from us? Grow strong and healthy in Christ and and love him. Love him. And that was all the requirement that is being asked of us. No compensation to pay because God has paid it all christ has covered it all but under this rabbinical law it said that a prostitute could never be forgiven because she could never pay back the compensation now we don't know if that was the field of employment this lady was engaged in but it's possible may be probable certainly it seems that she'd had an unhappy life and was involved with men she wasn't married to and so the likelihood is that she thought in her heart I can never ever ever be saved so you can imagine then her joy and delight when Jesus comes along and says You're forgiven. It's grace. I've paid it all. And so she can't give him any recompense. There is no compensation she can bring, but she can bring her love. And she can express that love in a jar of perfumed oil. So she gets herself and her oil into the corner and she waits for Jesus to come. And Jesus comes. And what do they do? They don't wash his feet. They don't wash his hands. They don't give him a kiss. They insult him. She's getting really, really mad here. She she loves him. And the tears are starting to flow because she loves him. He saved her life. And they've they're not, acknowledging him as saviour and lord. And so you can just imagine her in the corner, just anxious and those tears are flowing and the tears are flowing. So she gets up and she charges across to where Jesus is. Now her plan was to anoint his head while he sat here, but he's on the bench. So what could she do? The only bit she can get to is his feet and so she kneels behind that bench and starts to wash his feet with her her tears and her and her, and her love every religious person in that room was totally horrified by this can you imagine can you imagine what these Pharisees were thinking with this woman with the reputation is now kneeling down and washing Jesus' feet? But she was behaving in an absolutely pure manner. Yeah. For you, You've seen how I've described it. This is the total opposite of, of what her life had been in her purity in her love for Jesus her tears are flowing then she sees that those dirty, dusty feet of his um, they're all wet with her tears but what could she do? She didn't come to wash his feet, she came to anoint his feet so she doesn't have water with her she doesn't have a cloth with her So she let down her hair and that beautiful hair flowed and she took that hair and she dried his feet as her tears flowed and she dried his feet and then she opened that jar of perfume. She poured the oil over his feet. Now, the logic, logical people here goes, why didn't she use her dress then? She had a long dress. You know, she didn't have to let her hair down. She could have just used her dress. Do you think that lady was thinking logically just then? <laughs> she, she loved Jesus. And, and, and it was just the first thing she thought of was, oh, I've got my hair under this, this veil here. I'll just let that down. And, and and wipe his feet where I've made them wet. But it was the Holy Spirit, I believe, that was prompting her to do that. Because in that culture, women always had their head covered. In fact, it was considered very immoral to have your hair down. But she covered her head. But when she let her hair down, it was like a bride on her wedding night Letting her hair down for her husband. And in her purity this now is born again virgin lady signified the bride of Christ, didn't she? doesn't she signify each one of us born again those sins washed away made clean expressing our love for Jesus Christ with the tears flowing and the perfumed oil spreading all over his feet and that perfume of praise and glory going up into the air just gets me so excited inside when I think of this beautiful, beautiful story Former sinner, now bride of Christ. Amen. Amen. Yes. Jesus was meant to have responded to this. He's—he's he's, just a minute. He's a rabbi and a teacher. This sinful lady has got his ha- her hands all over his feet. What should he do? Get away from me. Get away from me. What are you doing? What is he doing? He accepts it. He doesn't tell her to go to the temple and give her thanks there. He sits there and lets her tears flow, lets her wipe his feet, lets her anoint them with oil. And then Simon thinks... And we hear what he thinks. He's only sort of saying it under his breath or or in his head. But he's saying what everybody else is thinking. If this man were a prophet, he would know who was touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she's a sinner. So what does Jesus do? He shifts the focus from the woman and he puts it onto Simon. By telling a story two men owed money to a certain money lender one of them him owed him five hundred dollars and the other fifty as neither of them had the money to pay him back he freely forgave them both and they walked away from that meeting debt free tell me then which one of them will love him the most and simon and i've added this in grudgingly replied i suppose the one who had the bigger debt to forgiven you've judged correctly jesus said only in that short parable had Jesus explained the woman's gratitude for the new start Jesus had given her, but He told Simon and the rest of them that they needed their sins forgiven too. They were fifty-dollar sinners. They weren't blame-free. They needed to be given forgiven. And then. Just to make matters even more difficult for Jesus, he criticized their hospitality. I mean, can you imagine if you invited somebody to your house and they told you off for the poor hospitality you'd given? You'd just love them, wouldn't you? You just, you know, what terrible food you cooked. (laughs) Can you imagine it? I mean, and here he is in that culture where you could never criticize, especially your elders. Telling them, I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. You gave me no kiss. You did not anoint my head with oil. What was he doing? I think he was giving them the opportunity to repent. He is exposing their attitudes. Their attitude to him. Their attitude to the woman. Thank you, Jesus, for giving even $50 debtors the chance to repent because we all of us are sinners and we all need salvation we all need to be receive christ's forgiveness god's forgiveness through jesus christ and then he said to simon do you see this woman I mean, understatement of the year, right? Everybody can see the woman. Everybody. She's, she is the prominent character in the room. Do you see this woman? But he said that to Simon because he wants Simon to see her, not sinner that shouldn't be in his house, but beautiful woman beautiful lady who has a name and a story and a life and who's worthy of salvation. See this woman, Simon, who's born again and who loves me. See her. One of the awful consequences we have in, in guarding a holiness is that we lose compassion for the lost you know we we become like fortress church and i'm not saying that applies here in this church but we can do as christians you know we close the door on on people who have backstories when we should be opening them wide and going out into the world and bringing the good news of jesus christ but of course that's another sermon So what tone did Jesus speak in in the next part here? He said, I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with perfume. In consequence, I say to you, it is evident that her many sins have already been forgiven, for she loved much, but he who is forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. She maybe heard that word in a crowd, but now she's heard it face to face. Your sins are forgiven. And that was the bit that got the Pharisees really angry because not only is Jesus saying a woman who can't be forgiven is forgiven, but Jesus is the one who's saying, I'm forgiving her. How can he, a man, forgive somebody? And so the tension in the room is really strong at that point. But what is the point that Jesus is making? That there aren't any sins that we can commit that are beyond his forgiveness. If you think your sin can't be forgiven, that is a lie from the enemy people at home people here that is a lie from the enemy yeah. if you think there can be no new start for you for me that's a lie from the enemy yeah. It doesn't matter who we were yesterday. It doesn't matter who we were five minutes ago. What matters is who we are after we've given our heart and our love to Jesus Christ because we get a brand new start. We're a brand new creation, a new baby, a born-again person in Christ Jesus. And so this woman, who everybody thought of as a sinner, is the purest woman in the room. Because she's born again. Yeah, Gave her heart to the Lord. And that's how Christ is seeing her, transformed, made new. And he's also saying to us as a church, budge over a bit, church. Let these people in too. You know, there's a place on the seat for people like that as well. Yeah, yeah, amen. So when we think of this story, those of you who know it well will know that we think a lot about how much this perfume cost. You know, the emphasis is on, well, this has cost her a lot of money to go and buy that jar with that special oil in it. And at the end of Jesus' ministry, there is a, another story with a, um, in, uh, of a lady who anointed Jesus' feet. And I'll just read it here from Matthew 26. When the disciples saw that the woman had wasted this expensive oil anointing Jesus' feet, I mean, everybody knows he'd been anointed before, right? They were indignant. Why this waste, they asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, Why are you bothering this woman? She's done a beautiful thing for me. And the focus is on the cost of the perfume and not on the love of the person who brought the oil. Sermon message here, don't be like the disciples who were close to Jesus but had lost sight of who he is. We can sometimes lose sight of Jesus in in our closeness in our busyness going about Christian things let's not be like that let's always remember who Jesus is and then nothing nothing is too little to give to Jesus you know take take my life take everything I have Lord God it's all yours it's all yours nothing is too little If we keep that attitude in our heart, oh, how beautiful life is, how beautiful it is to be out in the world. Take my life, Lord. I pour it out for you. And the band can slowly come up now. But I want to remind us that these acts of devotion were costly for Jesus too. Because immediately after this anointing recorded in Matthew 26, Jesus Iscariot, went to the chief priests, and he denounced Jesus. He actually asked, how much can I get for betraying him? That's what happened. And so in this story, too, that Jesus took on himself the wrath of those Pharisees. He directed the anger on himself and away from that woman. And so we can say it was an act of self-sacrifice that not just culminated in the cross, but was responsible for putting him on the cross. His shed blood was already paying the price for her fresh start as a new woman, Isaiah 53. He was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, and the punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds we are healed there's a song i'd like us to listen to now and hayley's going to lead us in it and if you know it please join in but i'd ask you to stand and just enjoy these words sing these words it's a it's a beautiful song and then i'll just come back and say a couple of things thank you jesus thank you jesus Thank you, Jesus. I just have three things to say to so stay standing. No one is beyond salvation. You can choose to accept the gift of unconditional love, have your debt cancelled, walk away a free person, or you can reject it, but the choice is yours. I hope and pray he'll accept it. The second thing I want to say is there is nothing you have done that Christ can't wash you clean of. One of my friends in a past life sat in on torture. That was part of his job. And as a Christian, he came to me saying, I don't know. I can ever get rid of this. But think of the Apostle Paul as Saul. He caused the deaths of lots of Christians. But God washed him clean from all of that, removed the guilt, dealt with his memories and sent him out commissioned and new. There is nothing, nothing that you can't be forgiven from and move forward in, in a new way of life. And my last thought is for us who have Christians, been Christians for a long time, may we never become those who lose our compassion. May we always have heart for the lost. No book should ever be judged by its cover. Pastor David, would you come up and pray for us?